This is a series of podcasts based on questions and issues raised in Debbie Merza's support group, Healing After Experiencing Covert Passive Aggressive Narcissism. A discussion with Linda Barnes, the group administrator and survivor of long-term covert narcissistic abuse. Hi, Linda. Um, thank you once again for your interest in this. Uh, and this one is a really difficult subject for people um, if they find themselves having to experience this and, and really how to go about it. Yeah, today, Linda, we're talking, are we, about the smear campaign and flying monkeys, what they are and what can be done about them. This is a truly awful thing to experience um, because once once again, it's just something that most people have no understanding of whatsoever when it first happens to them. And it really layers up on the abuse that they've already experienced, which in itself, as we know, is unfathomable. So to find now that other people can't be trusted or even worse, that they're actually joining in with a, with a covert passive aggressive narcissist uh, in working against you is just beyond devastating. Now, not only are we now dealing with a covert narcissist in this situation, but also various others that we would never have expected in our worst nightmares to have become actively involved too. So what are flying monkeys and what role do they play in all of this, Linda? Well, I believe flying monkeys is a term that's taken from the Wizard of Oz movie where uh, there were flying monkeys there that used to get up to all kinds of mischief. And it's really a pretty accurate term for what happens here with us. There can be anyone in truth, uh, but basically they're people who are recruited by the, the uh, covert passive aggressive narcissist. And from here on in, I'm going to use uh, the term CPAN for that, purely because it's quite a mouthful. But anyway, they're recruited by the CPAN to do the dirty work for them, to carry out deeds on their behalf that are in some way harmful um, to the victim. Now, there are different kinds of flying monkeys but the people who've been identified by the CPAN who can play a role for them. So there might be people who've previously been receptive to negative things that they've already said about you. And so in that case, they're much more likely to be sympathetic now. But just as easily, they can be basically well-meaning people who just get drawn in and caught up in all of the drama and emotion of it all. And when a CPAN defaults into victim mode, there's really no end of drama, chaos and confusion around it all. And of course, they have their own newly created narrative to support it too. And then, of course, there are those who also just love the drama and gossip around a scandalous situation. And in these cases, we can be sure that the CPAN will keep them entertained in that regard. So why would people get actively involved in such things beyond just listening and perhaps being supportive to what's portrayed as a really bad situation to them. It's another thing to then take this on, isn't it, and get involved themselves? Yes, good question. But this has much to do with how CPANs so effectively adopt the victim role whenever anything goes wrong in their life. Their whole ethos is being either the hero when things go right or the victim whenever things go wrong. These are people who abdicate any and all responsibility for things that do go wrong, and they immediately default to the victim role at times like that. They play it so supremely well too, um, with often victims being left completely dumbfounded at to how convincing they are when it comes to creating a whole new narrative around the truth of a situation, and then getting people on board who end up feeling sorry for them. 
so they're basically looking for allies then and supporting the situation in creating a smear campaign. Is that right, Linda? It is, yeah, but I think it's a little bit more than that in truth too. Um, certainly they do want allies, but they also need supply by the time that we've got to a serious situation like this. And most of this happens when we've reached an impasse in the relationship. And we're talking all kinds of relationships here. Some of the worst scenarios we see are in family situations where whole families are turned against one individual. It knows no bounds and can be an entire family network, leaving one person completely outcast and estranged from what was previously always considered to be a really close and loving family scenario. Families caught up in the covert narcissistic parental scenario most definitely wouldn't ever want anything to be out there other than the most positive impression outside of the family unit. And the smear campaign is used very effectively to cover the truth of a situation. It's almost cult-like in how it's carried out too. So other family members can be unwittingly drawn into this and can close ranks at a really alarming rate if one individual suddenly sees a light and perhaps calls a parent out, for example. It can reach really nightmarish proportions and really quite quickly. But we actually see this everywhere. You know, friends can bring mutual friends into a situation, for example. It can be awful in the workplace too, where there might have been an issue where other colleagues, other colleagues can be drawn into a campaign against one individual who, for whatever reason, is seen as a threat. And we often see this in cases where grievances and management are involved. And in these circumstances, it's often that people are fearful for their own situation and feel the need to protect their own livelihoods, etc. So even if they don't really want to get involved, they often find themselves put into the abuse and the exclusion of a truth teller, etc. It's pretty awful stuff, really, but CPANs love this kind of environment because they find themselves usually in a prime position to weaponise people who up until that point were often thought to be friends and workmates of the victim. And then, of course, we have the obvious intimate relationship breakdown scenarios too, where we see families on both sides being used in a similar way, along with mutual friends, and in some circumstances, mutual colleagues, etc. No one's safe from this. If an individual is deemed to be useful to weaponise against the victim, then you can rest assured that they will be used. It can even include influential organisations. Um, and it might be that the CPAN holds a role in such an organisation. Um, and if they can find a way to use that role to make life difficult and uncomfortable for the victim, then again, they certainly will. At the core of this, the more difficulty and upset that can be directed at the victim um, is the best outcome that the CPAN is looking for. And it's so awful when we see situations where someone is simply fighting to leave an abusive relationship and stay away from it, only to find themselves suddenly becoming a pariah and fighting seemingly everyone else. It's just the most upsetting, well, it's just the most upsetting a place you can find yourself in and at such a vulnerable time in a person's life. It sounds, uh, Linda, almost unbelievable um, that people you know and who you thought were close to you can be used in this way. I mean, no one would ever really expect any of that to happen, would they? 
No, they don't expect it. And, you know, and that's what makes it so much worse and just so difficult to understand. Very often, these very same people have had some involvement in the past too, where they've also had some kind of difficulty with the CPAN, especially in a work environment with a manager, perhaps, who maybe everyone knows is a little bit problematic, shall we say. So often victims might have reasonably thought that they had some support, but no. Most people will always protect the jobs above a friend or a colleague. So the victim often finds themselves quite literally being left hung out to dry, alone, and very much out on the outside of things looking in. But that's one side of things. There are also those flying monkeys who get really actively involved. As we say in the UK, they seem to enjoy really putting the boot in when someone's already down and almost out for the count. These people are a different kettle of fish entirely. These are the ones who have no interest whatsoever in getting both sides of a story. They just go with the gossip and whatever it is they've been fed and then set out to harm the other party on behalf of their friend or whomever. These people can really cause untold and the most serious of damage to the victim. Especially so when we consider that the victim is, is, is fighting or maybe has fought their way out of a seriously abusive situation. And they're suffering all of the associated effects of psychological abuse already. It's unconscionable, really. It sounds dreadful, Linda. It truly is. And the CPAN chooses people who are likely to cause the most upset and harm to the victim too. So we commonly see the victim's own former closest friends and even their own family members used in this way. You know, and at worst sometimes, even their own children. And there's truly nothing worse than being in an already bad situation, only to then find out that some of the closest people to you have either disappeared completely, or worse still, they're now actively working against you. And if people are already suffering the effects of long-term abuse... This is the very last thing they'd need or expect, isn't it? Definitely so. It takes so much strength and courage to make the move to get out of any kind of psychologically abusive situation. And we know that most people don't really understand the full extent of this kind of abuse. So it already feels like an uphill battle for us. But then all support is removed too. It's beyond cruel and vindictive to leave people alienated, vilified, and completely ostracised in many cases, at what for many is the worst time of their lives. But we see this all the time. Some of these people undoubtedly have blood on their hands in the worst of these cases. They can really push a person who's already seriously struggling, and they can push them right over the edge. So what do these flying monkeys do then, Linda? Well, often they just take one side over the other, leaving one person feeling totally unsupported and without any kind of explanation. So that leaves the victim left wondering, really, what's happened? Because there's been no conversation around it, but something, <laughs> something's definitely changed in that relationship, but they just can't put the finger on it. But of course, it's not perceived as a good thing. And it goes on to create doubts and worries in the victim that, that then reinforce the gaslighting they've already experienced. After all, to not condemn abuse is to support it. So the absence and silence of people you love and trust is easily taken as our having made a, a really serious mistake here. 
It feels like the weight of opinion is completely against you. So by, by literally doing nothing, these people can then force us back into that abusive situation. It most definitely hugely increases the cognitive dissonance we're feeling when we see so many other people behaving like this too. But we've discussed that in more detail in another episode. Other times, and maybe even worse, people stay in touch and act as a link between you and the CPAN, then relaying everything you say straight back to them. Now, this is such a huge betrayal of trust, particularly when we're trying to exit an abusive situation, because no contact is always the way to go if we can. Having someone do this is an absolutely awful thing to happen. It empowers the abuser, who's fuelled by hearing of our worries and concerns, etc. And also it serves to encourage them to keep on doing what they're doing. And when we find out that this has been happening, it also causes us to distrust people even more, making us feel even more alone and isolated. Also, they might be used to guilt trippers, telling us how upset our ex is, for example, and stating how they've promised to change the ways, etc., etc. They're used to put all of the emphasis back onto us. So if we don't give in, uh, we then seem to be unfeeling, callous or unreasonable. They're just being used, of course, by the CPAN as, as an instrument in getting what they want. It's the triangulation of some of the people most likely to curry favour with us as someone we love and trust. It compounds all the abuse we've already suffered. And in truth, they're just being used to perpetuate it and to promote the abuser's agenda and have us continuing to doubt our own perception of reality. Do they know that that's what's happening, though? No, 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 I don't think they do, not always. You know, lots of people feel genuinely sorry for the CPAN. They're truly so very convincing in the stories that they weave at this point. And people can see tears and what happens to be really genuine upset. At worst... They can be seeing a narcissistic collapse or decompensation, which is a truly upsetting, unnerving and frightening thing to see, especially as it contrasts so much with how that person is usually seen to them. So they can feel desperately sorry for them and just want to help. We know lots of people who were drawn in in that way. But as we said, there are the others, though, who really enjoy the gossip of it all, and they have a very different motive. The ones that spread the gossip and the created narrative around it all as if it's all gospel. Getting other people on board in believing whatever scandal has been created to cover the truth of what's actually gone on. They're the worst. And unfortunately, there's no shortage of people like that in this world. But either way, it's a really bad scenario for the victim, who's just left feeling like they're wholly misunderstood, completely alone, unsupported and criticised. It's even worse when they're presented with some of the complete untruths that are being spread about them. Especially so when the abuser's claiming to be the victim and is effectively telling the world that you've done to them what in fact they've done to you. Now we have extreme injustice factoring into it too. It's almost unimaginable to think that people go through this, Linda. You know, until it actually happens to you, it is almost unbelievable. 
And when you consider that in so many circumstances, the person behind all of this is the one you loved and trusted the most in this world, or they're a close family member. It's simply mind-blowing. It leaves people feeling unable to trust anyone. And if they were questioning their life and relationships before this point, then my word, they're questioning all of it now. And when we're hearing of so many untruths, when roles have been reversed and we're being blamed for what's actually been done to us, and, you know, we've, we've respected the relationship and said nothing, as we've often been so very well conditioned to do by people saying things like what happens in a relationship stays in a relationship, etc. There's a desperately strong feeling of the need to put these injustices right, to speak our truth. But no one wants to know and no one's listening anyway. It's a truly dreadful situation to find yourself in. So what's the advice, Linda? What can people do? Well, this one is so very difficult because the advice is to do the very thing you don't want to do. It just goes really so far against the grain, but the advice is to say and do absolutely nothing. That's so incredibly difficult, though, isn't it? Because it's such a natural reaction to want to set the record straight, particularly when such horrible things are being said that paint people as such terrible people, the opposite of maybe what they actually are. And why do you do this uh, when you'd be questioning, wouldn't you, why they do this when they're supposed to love you? You would, and it's so horrible on so many different levels, Linda. I'd really like to say that you wouldn't treat your worst enemy this way. But in the CPAN's world, you're either with them or you're not. It's a very black and white world with no grey areas whatsoever. So you either love them, and you can have the greatest relationship in the world, in their eyes, or you hate them, in which case you deserve all you get. In making the decision to remove yourself from the abuse, you are now viewed as the enemy. In fact, their worst enemy. And it's as simple as that as far as they're concerned. If you've challenged them or ended a relationship, that is simply unforgivable to any CPAN. And they'll see that as abusive to them. You can either stay with them and enjoy what they see as having everything you want, or you can end it and pay the price for that. And that usually means that they'll see to it that you have nothing. In malignant cases, that means quite literally nothing, because they see that as being all you deserve. Your rejection has hurt them, so they'll punish you severely for that. And they'll see it as being your choice. They'll do all they can to wreck your continuing relationships, your reputation, trash your character, and use financial abuse to literally rob your blind too. You can also expect to be erased from any good that's happened, and in some cases, to be erased from your own life up to that point. And they'll use anything and anyone to do that as comprehensively as they possibly can. And in the face of all this, we're supposed to remain silent. It sounds impossible to do in the face of such injustice and when you've already, you're in such, I guess, a vulnerable place and have to deal with the person you love doing this too. How can they think this way, Linda? I totally agree. And, you know, when I was on the receiving end of this, I couldn't help but react. 
But that's what they want, of course. They see you hurting and reacting. And they go on to use that as further proof of how unhinged you are or whatever else it is they've been saying about you. And all we really end up doing is fanning the flames. This is why the advice is to take the high moral ground, because without your reaction, it all fails. And eventually the flames do die down, because it's basically no fun anymore, it's not working. It's mightily difficult, though, when you know people hate you and think so badly of you. When it's your, you know, you're the one who's already been abused and you're continuing to be so. But, you know, they do it, I think, because they're actually afraid of you. And all of this comes from a place of deep insecurity. Unfortunately, the better you've come to know them, the more afraid of you they are. So the worse the smear campaign. They have no greater fear than being exposed for who they really are. And always being very distrustful people, their worry is that you might just tell people of your abuse. And even worse, that people might believe them. The really sad thing is that we're generally really loyal, loving and respectful people who wouldn't dream of running around bad-mouthing them. And unlike them, we often take years to understand and accept that we've been abused. It's not our go-to position at all. So we're not very likely to do that, really, in any case. But they have no hesitation whatsoever in doing that. So believing that people act just in the same way that they do, they feel compelled to, to go out and start one of these smear campaigns. They see the best way to protect themselves is to make sure that you're silenced one way or another. So turn... so. Turning people against you and alienating you is, well, it's just great for that. And just in case there might be someone out there who would still listen to you, then ruining your reputation and therefore taking away your credibility is their equivalent of the belts and braces in these situations. They'll throw other people to the wolves every time in circumstances like this. There's no love, respect or loyalty about it. They see it as a matter of survival for them. They simply cannot run the risk of being exposed. They're just terrified of that. This is why this is known as scorched earth, which is a, a war time term uh, that means that everything really has been obliterated. There's nothing left. It's all been destroyed. And this is exactly how it can feel. But in this case, it's not a thing or a place we're talking about. It's a person. It's you. I know some of your story, Linda, and how much worse your situation was made by a really uh, quite a brutal smear campaign and some quite incredible actions from some influential flying monkeys, too. Given what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently at the time or is there anything that might have eased some of the things that you experienced? Yeah, well, uh, you know, to be honest, I got this side of things completely wrong at the time because I did react. Um, but to be fair, I had no idea about covert passive aggressive narcissism back then. So I really had no understanding of just why I was on the end of such extreme behavior in the first place. When so many other people jumped on board too, it was just unbelievable, especially during a period of grief. 
I just couldn't understand why anyone would act on what one person alone was saying, especially when it was so outrageous. And without a single attempt to ever ask me for my point of view by anyone. And that these people, in the main, uh, you know, they knew me on some level too. I just couldn't comprehend it and I did react accordingly, which no doubt did fuel them and ultimately prolonged the whole thing, therefore making it worse. But it just went against everything that I stand for and everything that I represent as a person. And the thought of having so many people thinking so badly of me in this way really made me ill. I do remember it as being the darkest time of my life in truth, but one now that I've probably learned the most from in so many ways too. When people jump on a bandwagon like this, it does say so much more about them than it ever says about you. Yeah, and, and I think, Linda, you know, the hurt that you, you must have felt at that time. And as you say, it did make you ill and you've referenced your therapy to help other people um, be confident and comfortable taking therapy. Um, but on, the, on this point, I suppose those people, are they just really bl blindly believing uh, what one person has said? And that's not really the kind of person you want in your life, is it really, anyway, going forward? And especially in your circumstances, it was at a time of grief. Um, that's just, just cruel, isn't it? Yes, yeah, you know, and it was like a pack mentality too. Um, I'm not really sure you could stoop much lower than behaving this way at a time of bereavement. But that's the way I ultimately came to look at it. I do acknowledge that some people are just sucked into it. They're essentially hoovered too, you know. And at the end of the day, everyone has been played in these scenarios. Everyone. It's just that they don't know it. These CPANs make such convincing victims and people are just willing to believe them. Especially when they're hailed as being a, a confidant and the only person that they can trust. And of course they don't realise that everyone's being told that they're a confidant and <laughs> that they're the only person they can trust. Um, you know, So there's no truth in that at all. But some people sleepwalk right into that kind of situation and then loyally commit to whatever they want because... They're basically nice people who just feel terribly sorry for them. The pity ploy, especially when perhaps in very emotive circumstances too, can be hugely effective. They essentially fall into the trap without meaning to do harm. I also see it as, you know, we've lived these experience of, experiences often for decades and we didn't see it either. So we can't realistically expect bit-part players who are just on the periphery here and there to be able to see it. They've just been conned and used in very much the same way we've been. But then uh, there are those who get so much more actively involved, aren't there, Linda? Yes, well, those, the others, yeah. <laughs> um, they're no good to have in your life. You know, they've, they've clearly have no interest in your well-being and they've already proved quite the opposite by their actions. So I now look at it as they're identifying themselves through all that they've done as people that I need to remove from my life. Their actions have clearly told me that they're not at all healthy to, to have around and they've openly displayed toxic behaviour in their conduct that means that they really do need to go. I don't need to be asked twice these days and that's all a part of our learning and personal development. If I see behaviour like this from those in my circle 
then they don't stay there very long. It's an incredibly hard way to come to understand that it's okay to clean out your social media contacts and remove those people from your life that are harmful to you. Especially if you've previously considered them to be friends or, of course, if they're family members. And it can feel so very disconcerting, especially during the early days of this, when we reach the discovery that we seem to be finding so many of these people falling into this category. But this is the way to a much more healthy and positive life going forward. People who have so clearly demonstrated that they have no respect, care or interest in you have no right to an opinion or a place in your life. And once we reach the appropriate time and place in our healing, we can finally see that and then take better control of of this in our lives by then deciding ourselves who deserves a role in it going forward. And perhaps more importantly, who doesn't? We don't need a huge close circle of people in our lives, but we do need a healthy and authentic one. Well, thank you, Linda, once again for your insight into this situation that causes so much distress for people. And thank you to everyone who has listened and please join us again next time.